Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka Kram. With me, Ni Lati Lati. Tonight, I'm here with Akusia Ochre. In the next 60 minutes, IPPs receive payment for June and July bills for power generated after ECG honors obligation in settling debt owed. Create the plants, and now that we are getting enough money, I think that um, it should be calm from now on. There should be no fear of doom so or um, anything that the Ghanaian customer has feared for some time now. Still on eyewitness news from next week you could be paying more for public transport as Concerned Drivers Association threatened to increase transport fares by 20% in the wake of rising costs of petroleum products. Still on eyewitness news ahead of that crucial NPP special delegates conference this weekend we gauge the mood in the camps of some of the aspirants seeking to lead a party to break the eight in the 2024 polls. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News later in business. Economist expresses fears of potential challenges for the economy over push for zero financing of government budget by Bank of Ghana. That will be in the next 50 minutes with Akusia Otre with the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliates, including Ajempa 100.7 FM in Takwa Beach, 105.5 FM in Takwa, the Sky Power, 93.5 FM, all in the Western region. In the Bono region, we are live on Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyani, Ashanti region, Ajempa 99.9 FM in Inkari. Volta region, we are live on Heritage, 107.3 FM in Hohoi, Freedom, 88.1 FM in Sugakope, Northern region, this it's Radio Gaki, 88.3 FM in Saboba. Upper East, Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu and Northeast region. Nobia FM, 98.1 FM in Nalerugu. Eyewitness News is live on Facebook on City, 97.3 FM and also on YouTube on CityTube. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the story. Share your views and thoughts. Via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. 0549 986996. This is Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM. My name is Nila Tilati here with Akusa Ochi, who brings us our first story. Let's start from here. The Electricity Company of Ghana, ECG, has fulfilled its commitments to settle debts owed to independent power producers, IPPs, for the months of June and July. This comes after initial concerns raised by the power generation companies. According to information available to City News, the IPPs have reportedly received the second payment for their current bills from June directly from the ECG. The Chamber of Independent Power Producers, which had threatened nationwide power cuts due to the outstanding debts, decided to suspend the action following what they termed as productive discussions with the Electricity Company of Ghana. The IPPs had been advocating for a 30% interim payment 
of the debts, which had amassed to over $2 billion, while the IPPs have now received invoices for the outstanding debts, the ECG has assured its commitment to continuing the payments in the future. Leila Abubakar is manager, uh, external communications manager of the electricity company of Ghana. We have had several meetings with them and some of the agreements are being honored. The issue mainly is the amount that we owe them, which is over $2 billion, which ECG cannot pay at the moment. However, we have promised them that the current bills that they are raising for us will be paid because now we found a way of increasing our revenue through our digitalization process. We are now able to collect much more than we have ever been able to collect. And so the bills that are being raised for us on a monthly basis, we are going to honor those ones. Whilst we have discussions about how to clear the debts that accrued um, for the past few years now. And so I think that's the stage that we are in, but that's a high-level conversation between management of ECG, Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Energy, and then the IPPs. But so far, all is calm. Um, we are still very much in a development partnership. They are, they are doing their bits, and then we are also paying them on all the bills that they are raising for us currently. And so it seems to have calmed the situation, because they do need the money to operate the plants. And now that we are getting enough money, I think that um, it should be calm from now on. There should be no fear of doom so or um, anything that the Ghanaian customer has feared for some time now. That was voice of Leila Abubakar, who is the external communications manager at the Electricity Company of Ghana. Well, so the fears of power crisis have been averted because the IPPs have received payment for June and July. Uh, bills for power generated because that is what the ECG is saying that they've honored obligations in settling the debt owed to the IPPs. Let's get a reaction from the independent power producers. Eli Plim Akwetobo is CEO of that chamber. He joins us on Eyewitness this evening. Mr. Akwetobo, good evening to you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. We know that for some months now you've been pushing for your uh, debt to be settled. So if you say you've received payments for June and July, is it the 30% interim payment that you are seeking for that has been honored? Thank you very much, Annie. Good evening to you and to your listeners. Uh, as a corporate affairs uh, manager of ECG has explained, we received an assurance from ECG that was... Uh, 30th of June, giving us a promise, an assurance that on monthly basis, beginning from July, we shall be receiving some amount of money as a minimum. And uh, to begin with, we received in June, uh, we received in July, and August being the second one has also been on it. So let me say we have been sorted, uh, or ECG has fulfilled this promise to us. Mm. So the promise of settling the debts, uh, the bills that you actually, or the power you provided them for June and July, that is what. So what is the outstanding thing left? Oh, it's uh, a continuous process. Uh, the arrangement is that going forward, all the current invoices will be substantially that is to prevent uh, future accumulation of debt 
So that, that, that is what ECG is trying to do. So going forward, we have an assurance that not much will be accumulated. And what we are receiving now is the minimum we receive. And our prayer is that it will be sustained and be improved upon. So you are, you are anticipating payments will be honored for subsequent mandats from August going. Is that the clarification you are providing? Yeah, we have received for August. That is what we have just received. So going forward, September, too, we are expecting it. From time to time, ECG will give us a timeline when we should receive. Actually, they have given us an assurance of a particular date that we should expect uh, deposit into our accounts. Okay. So what happens to your arrears that have been owed you for the past years that the government, through the Minister of Finance, has not been able to, to, to settle? Uh, it is a process. Arrangements have been made to, to, to settle that part, the, the arrears. But at the time, the debt increased to some 2.3 billion US dollars. With this uh, latest settlement, has it actually reduced? Are you able to put a figure to it? How much is the arrears owed you by government? Okay, I will not put exact figure to it, but the fact is that once payment has been made, it definitely reduces the position. Which means that your threats of you know shutting down power plants will not happen what really will it take for you to resume these threats well when there is a break in the assurance that we have received uh you know it is not about the threat to shut down it's about our ability to keep the plants running operating a power plant as I mentioned, always requires a lot of money to keep these systems working. So if we lack the resource, it's practically impossible for us to keep the system on. But what is the state of affairs when it comes to discussions between you and government in the attempt to restructure the debt owed you because in parliament when the finance minister presented a media budget review that issue actually came up of which you as a chamber expressed opposition uh, you know our position remains the same we are opposed to anything called that restructuring what we are open to is payment plan and i think that is what government is working with so you are still insisting that you not allow government to put your debt into any form of, you know, debt restructuring? Uh, that, is, that is practically impossible. But you represent the chamber. Is it that uh, the members, that's all IPP, satisfied with the payment and subsequent arrangement that the ECG has assured you? You know, we know the challenges of the sector. So for us, regularity of payment is what matters to us to keep the system on because we know definitely some way somehow it will be settled so frequency of payment is what matters most we are able to uh, collaborate with ECG in this uh, difficult times to be able to make payment to us when due but it's an issue of regularity of payment 
All right, let's leave it here. Thank you so much for speaking to You're us welcome. this evening. That's uh, Eli Prima Kretobos. He is Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Independent Power Producers. Let's bring you some of the messages you are sending tonight on Eyewitness News. And uh, this one says that uh, now that the debt has been settled, we beg the president to remove the COVID-19 levy from our light bills. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Return with more stories. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, the minority in Parliament has announced that it has come to an agreement with the police regarding the procedures for its planned protest at the Bank of Ghana head office on September 5, 2023. The minority had given a 21-day ultimatum for the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, and his deputies to step down, citing concerns about the central bank's handling of the 60 billion Ghana cities losses, reported financial statement. Following a closed-door meeting with the police at the Greater Accra Regional Police Headquarters, Deputy Minority Leader Emmanuel Amakufibwa stated that preparations are in place for the demonstration against the Bank of Ghana's management. As law-abiding citizens, we wrote to the police service uh, to inform them of our intention to protest on the 5th of September. We provided them a detailed route of the path that we will go through during that protest. We were invited by the Ghana Police Service this morning at 10 a.m. I'm happy to inform you that uh, we're here on time. Came with my colleagues, members of parliament. We were joined by civil society organizations, Arise Ghana, and our comrade Bernard Mona. We were received warmly by the police service. We engaged in very constructive discussions on the planned protest. I am very happy to inform you that the engagement was very cordial. The police service. And made some proposals to us. And we also insisted on our proposals in terms of the route we have. We concluded a meeting that we will go through the route that we have proposed. And so everything is set for our protest, which will be joined by thousands of Ghanaians to express our revulsion at the ugly and corrupt activities that has impoverished the people of Ghana. And this will happen on the 5th of September. That was Deputy Minority Leader Emmanuel Amakofibwa. Well, meanwhile, the convener for pressure group Arise Ghana, Bernard Mona, has stressed the need for the governor of the Bank of Ghana and his deputies to resign. Central Bank, which is supposed to be the lender of large profit, has run itself insolvent. By that, it means that when commercial and other development banks are in liquidity crisis, they cannot rely on the central bank for any salvation. 
what that also means to us ordinary citizens and that any one of us who have any penny in any bank means that at any day there can be in some difficulties for you because if the bank assuming today there is a mad rush at any of our commercial banks and that means that they will not be able to meet their liquidity obligations their last option will be to go to the central bank for redemption here we are we have a bank of ghana that is already running at a loss and it's in debt that insolvency state put all of us and our resources at risk and so if you think that you are not affected by the happenings at the bank of ghana just imagine the day you get to the bank and the bank cannot provide you what you want convener for pressure group arise ghana bernard mona well, the Ghana Police Service has actually released a statement to that effect that uh, the protests by the minority members in Parliament against the governors of the Bank of Ghana, I want to read a portion of that statement to you. It's titled, Police Statement on Planned Demonstration by the Minority in Parliament. On uh, 21st August 2023, the uh, Accra Regional Command received a notice of public protest from the office of the minority leader the letter indicated that the minority in parliament in collaboration with some others intend to embark on a public protest to demand the resignation of the governor deputy governor and board of directors of the bank of ghana the organizers further gave the proposed route for the protest as follows from the frontage of parliament house through osu cemetery traffic lights ministry of finance High Court Complex, Kimbumakola, and Rollins Park, Opera Square, and then to the Bank of Ghana. Upon receipt of this notice, police undertook security assessment of the chosen route and the destination for the picketing. Following the security assessment on 23rd August 2023, the command engaged the organizers and assured them that the police are ready to provide them the necessary security to exercise their constitutional right to demonstrate. However, police drew their attention to the fact that using their selected route may endanger public order and public safety, among others. We therefore requested the organizers to relocate the route and destination of picketing in the interest of public order, public safety, and running of essential services. The police are waiting to hear from the organizers to enable them to provide them the necessary security during the protest. We would like to assure the public that the police will continue to deliver on our mandate as we work together to deepen our democratic credentials as a country. The statement is signed by Juliana Obin, Superintendent of Police, Head Public Affairs Unit of the Ghana Police Service in the Greater Accra Region. And so that's a statement from the police. They've said that they are going to provide the needed security for the protesters. However, they must come again on the route they want to use in the face of, you know, public order and also public safety. So they are waiting on the group that's the minority as to the new route for the protest against governors of the Bank of Ghana. Let's talk about fuel and threats to increase transport fares now because the Concerned Drivers Association has indicated that it's going to increase transport fares by 20% if government fails to scrap off some taxes from the petroleum price build-up. We've been joined on the line by the Public Relations Officer for the Association, David Aguado, to explain the rationale behind this particular decision. Mr. Aguado, good evening to you. Thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News this evening. 
we know that fuel prices are actually up because of price increments on the international market. But you want some uh, taxes scrapped in the price buildup of petroleum uh, products, for which reason you are threatening to increase uh, transport fares by 20% next week. Uh, which of these taxes are you looking forward to be removed? The first one is the one that we took to court. Then Mahama was in power. Uh, the current deputy finance minister had us to do that, and we took it to court, and it was scrapped by court. That's ESLA, energy sector levy. That's the first one. Second one is fuel marking margin. Third one is sanitation and pollution levy. And the fourth one is um, special petroleum tax. These are the taxes that we want government to scrape off from the price build-up. But there are a number of taxes in the price build-up of petroleum products. Why these four? Because these four have outused their office. Example, um, the energy sector levy, we were, we were told, or we know that in June 2021, we have cleared all the debts in the energy sector. So that extra is no more of use. And for that matter, the courts have granted us that that tax must be scribed off entirely. Poor marking is used when Tor was in operational and Tor was refining our crude forest. They used it to identify that between Ghana, Burkina, Togo and Ivory Coast. Now, Thor is not operational, so the fuel market margin is not working. And then we have a um, special petroleum tax. It's the same as the fuel market margin. The, we don't have anything special about our crude or our fuel diesel because we all bring end products. So that's why we are demanding the scribe of those taxes. The last but not the least is Sanitation and pollution levy, in which we drivers permit boiler levy. The boiler levy, when you come to our terminal, La Paz, Kaneshi, name it, all the terminal, including KGTA terminal, refuge over there is huge and higher than the vehicles that we use. So, why are we paying this sanitation and pollution levy for? If they want proper definition of pollution, then they should go to Baku. Uh, it is there. It is them that pollute the air, not we, the drivers. So this is why we are demanding. Addition to that, too, a vehicle like Sprinter Bus, Toyota Hayes, that we normally call Toyota Fish, they have all now shoot up. Formerly, uh, Sprinter Bus, the brand new, is being sold at uh, $120 million, which is $1.1 billion old currency, now being sold at 230 million, 2.3 billion old currency. Those are the things that is triggering us to increase the transport fare by 20%. I see. But uh, you would also admit that the government is actually struggling and so it needs uh, more taxes to ensure that it pushes its uh, development agenda because. For example, government has categorically stated that it is not going to remove the bus margin, for example, on petroleum products. And so if you want these taxes to be removed, how do you expect the government to rake in revenue? Yes, the government has a way of raking in revenue. That's why the taxes are mainly described to their potential or their offices. 
example like um, the sanitation and pollution levy is made up to you know clean our cities and our our cities and our villages, but it's not doing that. So definitely, it must be scrapped. But as you put the question, so listen, the whole tax component has its work doing. This one has absolutely That's why we are saying it should be scrapped and scrapped off entirely. We know government needs money, but this one. We don't know where they, what they are using it for. Have you engaged government recently in this regard? We have engaged government since 2021. If you will remember, it's the same task bill that, that we pointed during June up to December 6th that we went to sit down strike. The same tax company that we want government, they have assured us that they will do something about it. So from 6th June to now, six, sorry, 6th December 2021 till now, nothing is being done to this act. That's why we are stressing on it. Again, the government, you promised that you do something about it. Do it now. If for the past two years government has not done anything about it, what confidence do you have now thinking that government is going to soften its stance? Yes, we have confidence. Because now we know that it's pressure that is coming on government. So they will do or they will deliver the pressure. So when actually, when is it going to take effect, this 20% increment in transport fares you are threatening? It's going to take effect exactly 13 days from today. That's about a fortnight, two weeks from today? Yes. Mm, and are your members uh, satisfied with this 20% increment? The members are not satisfied with the 20%. How did you even arrive at the, at the 20% in the first place? Okay, thank you very much. We have five components that we use in measuring or coming out with the figure or the percentage. That's fuel, lubricant, um, spare parts, the cost of a car, and then stationary and printing. It's five. But we take four out of it, that we are giving them all 5-5%. Five, five so if you take that 5-5%, five, five the four all is filled up, making it 20%. That's what we are coming out with. So in the next 13 days, we should be preparing to pay more for fuel, uh, for, for transport fares. We are also praying that government will adhere to what we are saying, so that the transport fare will not be easy. Okay, we wish you well. That's David Aguado, a, a public relations officer of the Concerned Drivers Association, which is threatening to increase transport fares by 20% if the government fails to scrap off some taxes from the petroleum price build-up. Let's move away from uh, that and go to some matters relating to politics because the programs manager at the Center for Democratic Development, Paula Brampamensa, is urging the Electoral Commission to establish centers in remote areas in its upcoming limited registration exercise. This is in reaction to complaints by several political parties, including the Convention People's Party, who are against the Commission's decision to limit the upcoming voter registration exercise to its district offices. The parties argue that such a decision could potentially disenfranchise a significant number of eligible voters. Speaking to City News on the matter, Paul Abrampamenta said the EC should consider decentralizing the process. It's a call that uh, uh, Kodio and City Ghana uh, have made 
and and if I should take you back to uh, the brain behind conducting elections in very uh, delimited local areas, close to the doorsteps of the people, is, is to go by the standard that uh, no citizens is deprived of the right of taking part in the electoral activity uh, at a at a cost or at a fee. Uh, that can also serve as a deprivation of the poor to partake in the electoral activities. So we initially proposed that uh, the electoral commission should try and and do the registration, even though they can use the district offices, but also establish centers in remote areas where it will demand that people have to travel long hours or a very long distances before they get to the registration centers to do that so that it does not serve as um, a hindrance for most of the people, especially the poor in the rural communities, to get access to the registration centers. Well, the CDD also highlighted actions the Electoral Commission can take to end the trust of all as elections approach. Gaining trust and confidence of the electorate, not only the political parties, even though political parties are major players in elections, is continuous engagement with the public. One step is the engagement with the political parties and also doing the press conference as the Electoral Commission did. But the Electoral Commission must also activate this uh, program that initiated around the 2020 elections, let the citizens know, using its social media handles and all activating all its communication channels so that we don't get diluted information always from IPAC meeting from political parties. Paula Brampa-Mensa is the program's manager at the Center for Democratic Development. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM coming to you live from our studios at number five. At number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra with me, Ni Lati Lati, here tonight with Akusia Autry. Let's do politics because... Uh, as you may well be aware, the New Patriotic Party, that's the governing NPP, will on Saturday hold its special delegate conference to cut down the list of its presidential aspirants from 10 to 5 as stipulated in its constitution. Some 900 delegates are expected to vote at the regional level. Let's touch base with some of the aspirants to find out how well their campaigns are doing. First is Kojo Poku, one of the NPP presidential candidates as parent. Uh, Mr. Poku, thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. It's about some 48 hours to that crucial special delegates conference. How are things shaping up in your camp? Well, very well. Um, we are in Takra, the definition of our campaign. I think we've done a very good job in going around the country to mop up and have final conversations with people that we are confident will vote for us. So it's been very impressive and it's very encouraging. If you say it's been impressive and encouraging, what actually do you mean? Are you able to explain further? No, I said it's been encouraging as in when you meet people, you know, the campaign strategy that I have, I'm not doing mass media or I'm not doing mass campaigning. I'm doing one-on-one conversations with um, the delegates. You know, we have 955 um, members who are voting. And in every region, we have the album for who the superdelegates are. So 
the first round of um, engagement, we went out and met them in groups, which is the constituency executives, the constituency chairman, and the regional executives. Then the final phase, uh, we went. The second phase, we went around to basically uh, do a follow-up on the first meeting that we had. Then the mop-up phase is basically talking to the few selected people that we feel that we can basically get them to vote. So that is a strategy, and that has been very encouraging. I see. But what message are you selling uh, Are you selling to delegates if you keep talking to them and you say that it has been encouraging? What specific message are you putting across? My message is a message of reform. I think everybody that have met me have gotten to hear that I want to reform a lot of things that's going on in the party. And secondly, a message of um, a change of the way politics is done at their level. Um, I could be being the youngest person want to basically do politics differently. The politics where people only come to you when they need you, for me, I think should change. There should be a two-way communication all year round. And for me, that's the message and that's the hope that I'm giving to these delegates, that they have a friend in me. Um, for nothing at all, we should be family. And um, we should be able to engage each other, not when only I need them, but when they also need me. So, like I said, that message is going down very well. I remember when you first declared your intention to participate in this polls, a lot of people were actually saying that you were adding to the numbers because at a later time you are going to, uh, you know, denounce your participation. But here you are in the race for Saturday. I'm asking this question because there have been a number of polls suggesting who the top five are going to be in this particular election and you do not show up. Are you not concerned about your chances on Saturday? People who conduct those polls don't vote. And unfortunately, they talk to the people who don't vote. So those polls must be ignored completely. The polls that matters is what the results will be on the evening of the 26th. So, look, my brother, I've been sitting on radio and TV doing all this political analysis. I see they know what they're talking about. Um, let's see what happens on Saturday. Saturday will go to show if they know. Saturday will go to show. If they know what they know they are talking about or if they are just basically doing grandstanding without any research. But look, um, when all is said and done, all we do is to tell delegates what we want to do for them. Then at the end of the day, it's up to delegates to go into the booth and cut their, and cut their goals. Let's see what the result is on Saturday evening and we can... That, that is the poll that matters. Interesting. Are you dismissing the fact that these polls are a reflection of what happens on the grounds? nowhere near any reflection of what's going on on the ground. These polls are just people's imagination. Um, I don't know any scientific um, data that has been gathered. Um, look, if you go around gathering data from the people who are voted and my name don't come up, you've not done any polls. I don't think those polls are credible. But my brother, let's not dwell on this, this conversation. 48 hours, as you said, we've waited two years or three years or four years for this day. I don't think 48 hours is far fetched for us to wait. What then are your chances? Then, like I said, mm. My chances. My chances are 99%. The only 1% is the fear that will get faster. But look, I'm very confident that I've done the work I'm supposed to do. The rest of the work is up to the delegates to basically do their work. And that's that's one. You can, there's nothing I can do about it. But with the messaging, the traveling, the engaging, I have done well. I'm sure, as you rightly said, last year when this thing came up, a lot of people thought it was a joke. Now they are not laughing now. Because everybody now is now laughing on the wrong side of their face, knowing that Kujipoku is a serious person, a serious candidate. So, look, anybody that has underrated me 
now is basically um, taking off their hat and saying, look, Kojo, you've done very well. And look, Saturday will come and that will be the icing on the cake. Mm. All right, we wish you well. That's Kojo Puku, one of the NPP presidential aspirants, uh, touting his credentials ahead of the uh, special delegate conference on Saturday. As you may be well aware, the NPP is going to the polls on Saturday to whittle down the number of presidential candidates and aspirant to five, as stipulated in their constitution. Uh, that's Kojo Poku saying that he's 99% confident in winning the polls or becoming part of the five uh, top aspirants. Let's go to the camp of Joe Gatti. He is also one of the NPP presidential hopefuls. Mr. Gatti, good evening to you. Thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Uh, well, he's not on the line yet, as and when we do get him, we'll speak to him. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni. <coughs> Sorry, Nila Tilati here tonight with Akusia Otri. Let's stay with the NPP and its upcoming special delegate conference. Just as we advertise, we are trying to speak to Joe Gatti, who is one of the presidential hopefuls. He joins us on the line. Well, Mr. Gatti, good evening to you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. I want to find out from you first off how are things in your camp? Hello, good evening. They, they said they said when they were handing over to you that Jamal Akes is Jogati. And I was wondering whether my friend Tanda speaks to her, but now it's you. Sorry, Mr. Gatti, we are struggling to hear you in studio. If you can reposition yourself and speak to us. Oh, no, I'm in a car driving. I'm driving back to base. So mm. I'll just retry with my voice a bit. That's, I said that um, when they were, before you came online, they said, Kemal Akeshi Jogati, they spoke in car. And I was wondering whether it was my friend, Umaru, who is now speaking in car. Oh, that wasn't Umaru. Unfortunately, that wasn't Umaru. <laughs> don't worry, it's me. So, me, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't Well, everything is fine. Uh, two days ago, we had a final regional engagement in Wale Wale. And, you know, I, I've done what I've always done in my life. I do my best and I give the rest to God. So two days ago, when we finished, I finished a happy man. We had gone all around. We've told them our story. It's a simple story. Every time we a certain kind of leader. In my view, at this time, we need a leader, one, who is an MPP person, who, when I say an MPP person, has been through the roots in MPP. I was there in 92. I was a soldier before the word, two soldier became popular. I was one of the people who wrote the student verdict in 93. I was one of the people I chaired the session that changed uh, the constitution and now go for this five first and so on. I chaired that session in Kate Fella. I've been chairman of Data Accra District Committee. I've, I've been a lot of committees. 
West Division and our finals and wait for the party. At the time that when you were working for the party, <laughs> you were not taking a picture of everything you were doing. So I know and when I go to places, people themselves uh, had uh, give testimonies of what I've done. I went to Upper West. And the second vice chairman said, he remembers me in 2009 in the by-election. In his own words, I slept in a hotel in Jirapa, which he called self-standard. He called at that time. And I brought my computers and so on and set up a base for them and monitored uh, from that base. I've gone to places where I've met people who said, do you remember me in 93? I was arrested for demonstrating against government and you came to court for me. And at that time, how many laws were to go to court? You could count them on your fingers. And I've told them that apart from being a party person and having the party DNA in you, because the party DNA is business. We believe in business. We believe in small government. And you also need somebody who has experience in government and in government. That's what I think is the basis of respect to everybody else who's running. And I have that experience. In fact, I told them about my experience as attorney general. I've spoken to a number of attorneys generals after me, and every attorney general faces uh, different situations. And that was attorney general. That was the time of the drug, all these drug problems. That was the time of corruption problems. That was the time of judgment debt problems. Don't forget that this entire judgment debt matters involving the stadium and the city and so on. It started in my time, but I spent my energy protecting the public best. And I reorganized the office. But what I'm most proud of that I did as Attorney General was to create a program for Justice for All. The Attorney General is given power under Article 88 of the Constitution to prosecute people. He said that if you be an Attorney General, all prosecutions shall be done in his name. You don't even need the President's permission. I never asked the President to vote that I wanted to prosecute somebody. No, that's not my job. My job is to prosecute. In fact, when you look at the Constitution, the constitution only mentions two ministers, the finance minister and attorney general. The finance minister, the constitution says that you read the budget on behalf of the president. In today's it doesn't say that the attorney general shall proceed on behalf of the president. But Mr. Gatti, that's a tall list of, you know, achievement, commitment, dedication, sacrifices in terms of your contribution uh, to the governing New Patriotic Party. But one of the concerns, actually, is that ahead of the 2024 elections, the NPP needs a fresh face uh, to enable it to break, needs a fresh face, a fresh face to, to, to break the aid for the party. And... The other argument is that it is not time for any member of the government who is part of, quote-unquote, the economic mess that the party has plunged this country into. No such person should be given a chance. I'll take two things. First of all, I won't agree with your characterization of economic mess. Economic disability is not economic mess. And I can speak to you on that point here. Mm. No that's why I said, quote, unquote, unquote, in the I'm eyes of the public, that's, that's the concern. Well, I've, I've removed the quote, and so I don't agree with that concern. Yes, the economic system, but I won't say this economic system. That is your view. And what I hear is different. What they want is an experienced pair of hands for somebody who has been given the opportunity and has done something. 
حتی آزر در کنده کیستن یا نه در سعیم It's not a need Yeah, we lost president, we saw what he did for six years And so when we get to that bridge, we'll cross Let us talk about the election When we get to that bridge, we'll cross it without fear of ever And we'll face them, and we'll put our record down and their record down We'll pay the two records And we'll see whose record uh, sounds better If there's no fear about this And let me tell you that, it, for me, governance is not a joke The job you are doing is not a joke I don't think that when uh, Mr. Sander went on holiday, uh, they, they picked somebody on the street to come and say, look at the president's draft, look at the next president's draft. You know the job you have to do. And so you cannot take somebody, in my view, who doesn't understand that you start from somewhere. People should start from ministers, should start from here, and then they become, they become uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, president, if it's the will of the people. But I think that another, another thing that Indeed, now, is somebody who has an understanding of talent. You know, Ghanaians have been saying, including myself, that the president is too powerful, the president is too powerful. And I'm talking about this president. I've been saying since the time of right as President Rollins, the constitution was done for a military man and so on. But we have seen this thing with a close parliament that you need to work with parliament. Unlike Genesis, where God said, let there like, let there be light. And there was light. When you come to, to governors, when the president said, let there be light, parliament must agree. Nominated the chief justice, parliament has to confirm. The budget, the parliament has to, has to confirm. I've been justice of parliament before, and I can work with both sides. In fact, when the serious matter arose in parliament, the Ayaga body issue, both sides have been elected to that chair. And when I finish uh, chairing, I will read your report. Yes. Uh, one or two people disagreed with the content, but nobody disagreed with the process. I have the respect and the confidence of both sides of the House, and I'll bring that to bear, and I'll carry Parliament along when I become President. And of course, also, I did work in a first sector. So when I go around, this is what I tell the and I tell them that they should take me as I am. And I will see. Uh, the showers, uh, the message drops upon our calling. Every day, I hear things that encouragement. But on Saturday, we pay for the showers of blessings. And if there's any delegate listening to me, I pay with you. Your best candidate is to do that. Thank mm. you. So ahead of Saturday, what are your expectations, really? Because if you look at the caliber of the persons you are contesting against, a number of them trying to use the economy as one of the pivots at which their campaigns revolve. Others are using trade and investment, others patriotism and also agriculture. What will you say is your unique selling point as one of the candidates? A total package. Come again? A total package. A total package. A total package. Are you able to unpack the package? A total package, everything. I tick all the boxes. I have experience in governance. I have experience in legislation. I have experience in social development. I'm a trade and corporate lawyer. I teach that. I've taught in about four or five universities. <laughs> and also, I've written in that area. So that is trade and investment infrastructure. And so, DPP. And so, that's my area. So, that is why when I went to railways, I was able to do one or two things. It is not even infrastructure development. It is finance. Finance infrastructure. So I'm telling you that I have a total package. 
And let me say something. After the first I've been presenting my economic program. But let me just give you two examples. Quickly. Now, you see, that's why I didn't want to say it quickly. I don't want you to touch the show. So if you like, let me make it one. That's all. That's fine. Look at, look at the education sector. And, and that's why I say we are not in a mess. Because by God's grace, today, the University of Science and Technology, KNUS, sorry, I'm a University of Science and Technology, and I just one of the best universities, or the best universities in the world in sustainable development. When I was in the university in the 19, uh, 1980s, there were no foreign students. The only foreign students in Lagos were people who came to learn French from Burkina Faso, Benin, and Togo. They came in a bus, so it was one bus load. And there were three universities University of Cape Coast, University of Ghana, and University of Science and Technology, as they used to call it. was a college of the University of Cape Coast. Today, we have over 60 universities, and one of them has become the best in the world. The amount of money that the United Kingdom is going to do just a year from Kalasha to $28 billion. Please, we can easily make another center of education in West Africa and Africa. Today, the KUSD, for example, there are two halls that are filled with practical requirements, Brunei and David Brunei. Thank you, What is happening in Kofodra is that there are a lot of foreign students in all these institutions that have been told about it. All right, Mr. Gatte, we want to extend our best wishes to you on Saturday. We want to believe that you are going to be part of the top five as a delegate. You know, thank you so much for speaking to us. All right, that's Joe Gatti, one of the NPP presidential candidate aspirants, speaking about his chances ahead of the special delegate conference by the party on Saturday. This is still Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM coming to you live from our studios at number 5. At number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. My name is Neil Atilati here tonight with Akusia Oshu who returns with the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Autry. Let's settle for the details. Economist Professor Gottfried Bockwing has expressed concerns about the potential challenges zero financing of the government budget by the Bank of Ghana may pose to the country's economy. This move has been seen as essential for maintaining fiscal discipline and curbing inflationary pressures. However, Professor Bogbin emphasized the need for a holistic approach, stating that strict adherence to the policy might not be in the best interest of the economy. In the medium to the long term, zero financing may not augur well for our economy. May not, given, given the challenges we have, revenue smoothing and all of that, and therefore we have to look at it holistically. But under, under this program, we have signed an MOU with the IMF that will keep to zero financing. And, 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 and it has to be complied with. Otherwise, we may not be fulfilling critical conditions under the program. And, and the zero financing is also key 
in ensuring that the process of disinflation becomes entrenched. So under the program, it is going to be very difficult to do some budget financing. It's going to be very difficult. Um, and it's, also, it's, it's, it's like this because of the level of abuse of the, of the deficit financing in the Bank of Ghana Act. Okay, the blatant abuse of the act makes it very difficult to accommodate some level of financing under an IMF-supported program. And the inflationary pressures that comes along with the monetization of the deficit and the public debt is such that it's very difficult to have the two at the same time. That was economist Professor Godfred Bokwing. Now, fintech company Cellulance Ghana has cited growing rates of online fraud as one of the challenging, uh, imp- challenges actually impeding the country's adoption of digital payments. Mr. Kote feels that consumers are discouraged from utilizing mobile money for transactions over fears of being defrauded. Uh, let's listen to Eric Kote, general manager for Cellulance Ghana. To address this, what are some of the things that, in my view, can be done? There should be more education through the PSPs. And the PSPs are made up of the, the uh, telecommunication, the de- dedicated money issuers, as well as some of us who are enhanced and then the fintechs. Also, implementing strong security measures. And in the view of the Bank of Ghana, the regulator, before you even be licensed, you need to be a PCI DSS certified you need to be ISO 27001 certified. These are measures that, um, when they are in place, will help resolve some of these um, fraudulent activities. Also, there should be measures and systems that are put in place to ensure that there is dispute resolutions. Eric Cote is general manager for fintech company Cellulance Ghana. For her parts, head of products and services at MTN Mobile Money, Sylvia Otui Champong stated that while great efforts have been achieved in tackling the hurdles, there's always potential for improvement. We've really made significant progress in digital transaction, uh, but there is still more to do. And that is why th- today's discussion is so pertinent barriers to digital adoption, uh, payment adoption in Ghana. Um, Last year I was here, I was really intrigued when we were talking about um, the digital currency. Uh, The Bank of Ghana did us good by really unpacking it and I left very satisfied that the only way we can really achieve um, the kind of inclusion is to have a central point of digital Money. That was Sylvia Otui Champon, the head of products and services at MTN Mobile Money Limited, speaking at the MTN Momo Stakeholders Forum on the theme Addressing Barriers to Digital Payments in Ghana. Now, let's take you some, to some exciting news. Uh, with only two days remaining until Ghana's largest street fair, the This Is Ghana exhibition organized by CTFM and CTTV exhibitors are eagerly preparing to display their indigenous products. The event spanning two days is set to take place on Saturday, August 26th and Sunday, August 27th. Held at the forecourt of the Accra Metropolitan Assembly, the exhibition serves as a platform for local, small and medium enterprises, startups, homegrown businesses, innovative ventures and also indigenous corporate entities 
to present their products and services to potential buyers and investors. Let's hear from some producers. Uh, that's from Nana Rice and Siri Soya on their expectations. So we've actually been participants of the This Is Ghana exhibition since its inception in 2019 um, at the Aviation Social Center. And, um, you know, we realized that it's an opportunity for us to showcase that we are doing our part in changing the narrative of, you know, the local products are not that great. Let's buy the foreign products. We want to show Ghanaians through this um, exhibition that our products are of good quality. In fact, they are comparable to if not even better than the foreign products. And, you know, let's, let's come and let's um, support our own. They should expect high energy because I know that my team will never disappoint. We're always excited when we go to phase. That was Angela Barnes, uh, General Manager of Agrokins Limited, producers of Nana Rice and Siri Sawyer. Meanwhile, some sponsors of This Is Ghana exhibition shared the reasons behind their decision to support this year's event. It just happened to be at the right time for us. We just finished a program about, I think it was this weekend, we, we wrapped up our pilot program for what we call the Empower Hair. Um, and Empower Hair is, is an idea that we came up with and the objective is really to to jump start and spread the growth for female entrepreneurs and so we started with the free sales training program we did that for six weeks we touched up 135 female entrepreneurs the youngest was 12 years 12 years old so that was beautiful to see and they had all these amazing businesses and it was nice to be a part of their story at this point so that was fun yes well last year the SMEs that we supported to attend the fair um, they saw remarkable results. A lot of them were sold out, you know, within a short time. They had to send for more things to be brought in. Um, the SMEs we support are in Ashanti and Western region. So you can imagine that they were sold out and they had to bring in uh, more things. And it was really good for them. They also made very good contacts that they followed up on after the fair. And so we thought that um, this year as well, we should give more of them that opportunity to grow their businesses, expand out of their districts, and um, to showcase to Ghana that indeed we can do business well and we can protect our environment whilst doing business. He had representatives from EK Brand Consults and SNV Ghana. All this is Ghana exhibition is powered by City TV and City FM and proudly sponsored by MTN Momo Nalo Solutions, Pan African Savings and Loans, SNV Ghana and EK Brand Consult. We don't want to miss this opportunity to be a part of this is Ghana exhibition. For more inquiries, please call up the number 0205973. 973 to register. Well, that's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akusia Otre. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. CTFM. This is Eyewitness News. 
Time now for Point Blank. And tonight, we talk about Premix Field. We are having a conversation with the administrator, uh, the National Premix Field Secretariat, Nana Abrokwa Asari. Nana Abrokwa Asari, good evening to you. Thank you for joining us on Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Good evening, Ni. Um, I overheard you speaking down with Ojogati. So I would begin by also saying, Mimba Ode Amanye. Omanya Blaufe. 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 Well, thank you for joining us on Point Blank tonight on Eyewitness News. You are the administrator of the National Premixville Secretariat. As we speak today, how is the Secretariat faring? Good evening to you, Ni, and good evening to all your uh, listeners. Um, I'll begin by saying the Secretariat is faring very, very well. Um, we are on course. Um, we are trying to work things together. We've been engaging fisher folks across the length and breadth of the country. Um, last year, for example, was one of um, the most challenging years for us. The beginning of the year was also challenging. Um, but by the grace of God, um, I think we are getting out of the woods mm. and fishermen are beginning to appreciate the work that we are doing. Are you saying that the Secretariat is doing well because in recent time you have not heard fisher folks complaining about shortage of premix fuel? Very, very mm. well. Premix fuel is a very, very important commodity um, to our fisher folks across mm. the country. So in times where there are shortages and there are irregularities, you tend to hear the fishermen um, complaining, mm. demonstrating, agitating, etc. Um, but for some time now, we've had some quiet. Um, I would also so use what's this actually accounting for this change uh, to ensure that there is stability of, you know, uh, uh, premix fuel? I would say it's um, the stellar management mm. um, from the National Premix Fuel Secretariat. Mm. We also have a very able and well-competent and um, a minister in charge, Honorable Mavis Hawakonsin, she's been working closely also with the fisher folks, trying to let them understand, um, especially when we have challenges, we make sure we communicate to them, we engage with them, and we find solutions together. And I think the collaborative effort is what is making um, the system um, become so, so are you able to speak specifically on some of these initiatives? All right, to begin with, um, I'll go straight to say one of the very uh, most important things um, we have um, done is um, trying to automate um, the, 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 the chain of, of premix for um, this has been the baby or the brainchild of His Excellency Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, um, digitization of premix for I think um, before we took office, um, it was just a figment, figment of um, imagination. imagination. And I'm happy um, to report to you that um, this has seen the light of day now. Um, out of the about 300 landing beaches across the country, we have completed about um, 60, you know, and, and this brings hope to the fisher folks across the country. You know, something is coming that will end the long-standing problems and challenges that we've had. Mm. Has it really transformed the distribution process? To begin with, we are yet to roll it out um, fully. Um, it's going to be launched by the end of the month. No, I think first week in September, His Excellency himself is going to um, launch um, the, the, the program. Um, so we are yet to roll it out. But in the meantime, we are using other measures like um, education, enforcement, trying to engage the community. Um, you know, the premix fall also has a component um, that they used to 
en engage in community development projects and by far and wide most landing beaches have been able to utilize this fund um, to construct some community projects um, for, for their communities aside that um, supply hasn't been um, bad and um, despite the challenges that we've had we've made sure that at least we're able to serve them um, to the best of our ability um, but going forward when we roll out this program fully and um, most of the problems will be a thing of the past you talk about the fact that this uh, automation is the brainchild of the vice president, Dr. Mahamudu Baumia. But really, how does this align with the government's, you know, focus on technology and innovation for nation building? And what you see is its significance, you know, this whole administration and distribution of, you know, premix fuel. All right, so the premix fuel automation and dispensing uh, system is a clear testament uh, of government's commitment to leveraging technology for the advancement of our nation. Um, we are in the 21st um, century, and technology is a sure uh, a driving force for progress and development. And if you look at the system that we have, it streamlines the whole chain of premix for distribution, right from Tema Oil Refinery to the landing beach. We're able to monitor real time, know what is happening. Um, any discrepancies, there will be alerts that will be triggered, etc. Um, aside that, um, fishermen will be given unique cards. Today, as we have it, anybody at all goes to any landing beach and, and, and says that he wants to buy Premix 4. Just by way of education, um, Premix 4 is a highly subsidized product. Um, hitherto, it was subsidized to a tune of about 85%. It um, was just recently that we adjusted the price for it to be a 50-50 share. You know, so, and also, Premix 4 has other uses. People are able to buy Premix 4 and put it in their Okada machines. Some even sell it to filling stations. Some put it in their um, the agricultural machines, etc. So, um, in lots of cases, you have people exerting pressure on the product because it's cheap and at the end of the day the ordinary fisherman is not able to get that that, that premise full and that that's what brings to the hoarding the scarcity the agitations etc but this system will put a stop to all of that and make sure that actual um, fishermen get the product so this is going to be a stop to the many problems that we've had in the past it's going to make sure that there is um, satisfaction amongst fisher folks the health benefits um, are also innumerable the transparency and the accountability that it brings is it's just it's just a cocktail of um, benefits that it brings mm, to the it, table. It sounds like a great idea, a really good one. But as we push for digitalization, are our fisher folks prepared to embrace this kind of uh, technology? Because you know that some of them do not want to go near technology mm. at all. I, 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 to me, I think um, fishermen are one of the most um, intelligent people um, we have. And I believe that is why Jesus Christ, in all his wisdom, made sure that he was surrounded mostly by um, fishermen. Um, we have piloted this um, program um, for some time. We started with um, one at Nebwa, and you could see how these fisher folks embraced um, this technology, especially since they know they have the potential of bringing um, an end to the problems that they face. So we've taken them th through the process. We've had a lot of engagement, a lot of collaboration at every level. So I can say that um, they are ready to embrace this technology 100%, and they've been very, very supportive in times past, and we hope that they'll continue to partner us to make sure that um, we, we roll this project in full force. Aside from the issues of, you know, hoarding, is it also going to 
uh, uh, mitigate the risk associated with diversion as well? Exactly. It's a whole and total package. This is a cutting-edge technology that solves almost all the problems. We had to sit down with our developers and the engineers to think through this project. It's a foolproof um, project. It solves the hoarding, it solves the scarcity, it solves the diversion, all the irregularities. Transparency is going to be key. Accountability is going to be key. It also, we are going to also integrate a payment system where it's going to be cashless. So it is a project that I believe um, will, will transmogrify the, the face of, the, of, of premix for distribution. But earlier you were talking about how this is also going to ensure real-time you know, monitoring. How does it work? Yes, so right from my office, I'll be able to know what is happening in every tank across the country. That is what we mean by real-time. Right from Tor even to the landing beach, we get to see the track every step of the way. And we get to see the quantity. So we don't even have to wait for the fuel to get finished in the tank. The moment it reaches um, a certain level, we'll be able to restock it. So we are working real time. We are monitoring what is happening. Any irregularities where previously people can come and buy, let's say, 50 drums if, because they have all the money. It's going to be a, a thing of the past cost. It's going to flag that a huge quantity has left the tank. So it's a full and total package. But how are, you know, these fisher folks going to ensure that they participate in this? Is, how is it going to look like? Do they have identity cards? Are you able to explain it further? Yes. In terms of, you know, the system fisher right. folk relationship. Okay. So, um, currently, um, we, we know the number of canoes at every landing beach. And we know the quantities also that every canoe would need for his or her fishing expedition so these canoes will be given unique cards so if you're not a fisherman or if you don't own a canoe you don't have that card that means automatically we get rid of all those middlemen who come and buy premise school and use it for their irregular activities and also going forward these cards will also be given a quota system you know so that we know you require 100 drums of fuel for the entire month you know it's subsidized and Nowhere in the world have I seen any subsidized product exist in perpetuity. If you have the money, you can buy as much, especially when it has other uses. So if you don't have the card, you will not be able to, to purchase um, the premix for, you know. So when you get to the dispensing um, outlet, you swipe your card, you mention the quantity you want to buy, and then they dispense the fuel um, for you. The, the landing beach system has what we call landing beach committees. It's a seven-member committee. We don't intend to displace that committee. We are going to complement their work. So so every fuel station is also going to have an attendance that will complement the work of these committees to make sure there is seamless integration for the fishermen to also get acquainted to these machines and for there to be smooth flow of transactions. Are we able to talk about the integrity of the persons going to man this technological system? It's, 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 it's foolproof. Um, like I said, it's going to increase um, the accountability levels, the transparency levels. So aside them on the site, there's also the back-end approach to this whole project where people are also monitoring. The minister um, herself would also have an interface monitoring. So NPA, we're also collaborating with NPA. They are the uh, body man mandated to regulate um, downstream operations. They're also going to come on board. So there are various levels of, um, what do you call it, proofs. There are various levels of checks along the line. So it makes it very difficult for anybody to um, break the system or circumvent around and, and, and perpetuate any illegality. But have you been able to uh, establish the mini pumps for this particular project? Come again, please. Are you, uh, have you been able to establish, set up the mini pumps that are going to ensure the 
Yes, so so far, like I indicated, indicated earlier on, um, 60 outlets uh, have been constructed so far across the, the country. Uh, I can give examples. If you go to Armenia today, where the commissioning is going to take place, you have three units uh, there. You have some at Mowi, Nidwa, Abia. It's a whole 100% completed. And I would, I would, when you have time, you should pass by this landing which is soon and see the work that has gone on there. that we said we are going to do, but it's actually hit ground and um, across the country we see this project um, springing up. Mm-hmm. I see, but uh, it appears you're on top of issues when it comes to permit spill and its related matters, but I'm learning that you also want to enter politics. Why do you want to abandon your role as the National Permit Spill Secretariat and then go into politics? Any special reason? It's, it's, it's all leadership mm. and um, leadership comes in various forms and, and shapes. And there are times where God brings you to a scene to perform a certain role. It doesn't mean you stay there forever. Of course, you leave class one, you go to class two, you get to the university. Um, I have been combining my work. Um, I, I come from a Sujaman. That is mm. where I, I come from. And, um, and that's where you are seeking that to, is where to, I seek, to, I seek to enter parliament. Exactly. Mm. Um, I've been supporting them on, on various levels. On the ticket levels. of the NPP. Of course. So you want to unseat the incumbent and this sure, parliament. Sure, sure. Wow. Yes. No, yes. That's a difficult tax. It is not at all. Mm. I'm poised and ready for action. What's your strategy? I have a lot of strategies. Um, to begin with, I've been with the people. I've been serving them for some time. You know, this um, opportunity came at the back when my people came to me and said, you know, Isujaman has a lot of um, um, potential in, in time past. You realize that their constituency has a lot, but uh, there's a lot to be desired. When you go to a place like Isujaman, um, things haven't been um, to the best. I believe that uh, the potential hasn't been fully tapped into. And the challenges we face, whether infrastructure, job creation, education, have persisted for far too long. And I'm inspired um, by the desire to bring positive change and progress to our constituency and to ensure that our resources um, benefit our people. You know, so I've been working with the people. It is our constituency. And we are the only people who can change the fortunes of our, 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 our constituency. I've also been engaging with the youth. I've been working with them on various projects. And we want to bring change and positive and lasting impact to the constituency of Isujaman. I mean, anytime you speak to young people who want to enter parliament for the very first time, the issue is that they, they are inspired, they want to bring in change. How, how different is your inspiration and the change that you want to give the people of, you know, Isujaman? Exactly. I, 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 I believe um, our country has a lot of potential and I believe young people should be given an opportunity to, to, to make decisions. Young, young people should be given the opportunity um, to also sit at the table and, and cause change. Mm. Most of the problems we, we face today in our country um, affect um, the youth. We can't um, sit down and just complain and look for things to to happen. It is high time we also take off our sleeves and jump into the boat and see the change we can cause for ourselves. Um, We always say the youth, we are the future of our country. We need to build that future. And leadership plays a very important role in building that future. That is why some young people like us have decided to enter into leadership and see the change that we can cause. Change that will be meaningful change that will be lasting, change that will be genuine and will bring relief to our people. But you admit that the seat that you want to go in for is not an easy one. It's hotly, you know, contested. And I've asked of your strategy, you've mentioned a few. But what really are your priority areas? 
Okay, so we are looking at the um, job creation is, is, is key, number one. Um, I'm also looking at agriculture. I'm a farmer myself. And what, what do you farm? Oh, I farm onions, I farm pineapple, I farm maize, um, I do aquaculture as is well. Is it to complement government planting for food and jobs? It, it, it all encompasses <laughs> that. And it, 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 it's, it's a number for a number of reasons. I enjoy I enjoy farming. I think of all the things that I do, farming is one of the things that I enjoy. I enjoy Aside most. from farming, what else do you do? Um, I I do, okay, I'm the administrator. I'm, I have a clothing line. I'm oh, a businessman. Oh, you're a businessman. Yes, yes. I see. I'm, I'm a businessman. So that's why employment is one of it's, your it's top key agendas. Because when I come to the constituency, I see a lot of unemployment in the constituency. I believe, especially the youth, is key. And it's, it, it's on my heart to see how we can improve uh, mm. job creation in the constituency. But, but you don't have to be a member of parliament for you to do this. I think or? we've started. Like mm. I said, I even have farms in the constituency. But I believe being a member of parliament um, puts you at another pedestal. Mm. Aside you creating jobs, another thing that you do is legislature. You make laws. Oh, I was laws about coming to that because your main mandate as an MP will be to make exactly. laws for the country. And a lot of people forget that aspect. But laws affect everything that we do. Laws affect businesses. You know, so I see this as a springboard for me to do more for for my constituency you know so as we're combining the businesses as we are creating jobs etc we need to also make good laws for our people you need to represent your your constituency i just made the fact that a place like sojaman is surrounded by water bodies you can count you can count more than two or three um huge farms that are utilizing the water bodies that are surrounding the constituency the government is also um, um there's this railway that is going to terminate at Impakadan, etc this is going to be an aperture for for growth and development you need somebody who is poised um to try and see how we can synergize all of this and make sure that it benefits the people of Esujaman, and that is what we seek to do mm. so really when did this whole idea of you know wanting to become an mp kick in Oh, when we, with leadership, I've always been at the forefront, right from my primary school days to university. You find me contesting one position or the other. I've always had the desire to serve, you know. And of course, if you want to serve, um, so I consider Isujaman as, as 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 a place that I'm connected to because I come from there. My wife also comes from that constituency, you know. So if there's any greater service to give to your people, it should be Isujaman. So politics has always been. Well, the way you're saying you come from Isujaman, your wife comes from the people misconstrue it as you want to do family and friends though <laughs> oh not 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 really of course i have lots yeah. and lots of family and relations in the constituency of course as i said my constituency of course my relations would also benefit from from the good service that i bring to the people so it's about service that's the most important thing I see. so between when you conceived this idea and when you declared your intention to actually go in for you know the position of member of parliament how have residents of you know sujaman or constituents benefited from you as an individual and to begin with i want to convey my deep appreciation um for the for for, for to the people of sujaman they've been very 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 supportive um, they've also benefited in various ways we've done a lot of skill development we've empowered a lot of the youth um, another thing that we've also done, I have a foundation, Nabrock Foundation, and um, that has also seen to to see the welfare of the people. We've oh, contributed. What does the foundation do? Not far, not too long ago. Let me just give you an example. I think in the last uh, two weeks, I partnered with the um, Nilda Foundation. It's a foundation in the US, US of A, um, to donate uh, medical equipment um, worth over fifty thousand US dollars, and to the district health directorate of Isujama. We've done a lot of screening. Last year, we did breast screening. 
We've done lots and lots of programs for the constituency, which I can't um, enumerate all here and now, but the people have really felt um, our presence, and we seek to continue to do that for the people of Esujaman. I see. So have you filed your nomination? Sure, I did. I was the first to file the I nomination. See. Have you received, you know, uh, messages from other people who also want to contest? Oh, yeah, I understand some people are also contesting. Mm. Are you scared? Not at all. Mm. How convinced are you that you emerge victorious? Very, very, very. So good. Mm. So between now and when the elections will be held, or even before you go through the right processes, how are you preparing for the big one? All right. So we are still on the ground. You know, um, the political process is it's an, it's, it's an entire change. You know, we've, we've been on ground um, for the longest of time. We are still engaging delegates. Um, the primaries is primarily um, delegates-based elections, so we are still engaging them. So how are the reception been? Very supportive. They've been very kind to us, and the reception is. is it's welcoming, I must say that, to the people of Isujaman. They are very grateful to them for the support that they've given me so far. All the chiefs, all the opinion leaders, all the people that matter have been very supportive to this cause. And, 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 and how supportive have the people who matter in terms of the NPP in that constituency been? Very, also very supportive because of the work that we've done in the constituency. They've seen our work and they know the potential is there and they know when we are given the mandate and when we are given the push, we can do more for them. I see. So we have about four minutes to you know, wrap up this conversation. I know that a number of your followers are actually listening. Even as you assure Fisher Folk of the good works of the, of the Home Explorer Secretariat, just try to convince people who will be voting when the elections are held. All right. So um, to begin with, since we started the conversation um, with, with, with Premix, I would like to start from, from that angle and also thank um, Fisher Folk across the length and breadth of the country also thank my minister on our movies how I continue for the stellar job that she's, she's doing. Um, what I want to say especially about the premix wall and the strengthening system is, is just not it's not just a technological marvel. Um, it is a testament um, to our collective role to bring about meaningful change. Um, the impact also resonates far beyond the confines of its components. The benefits of this um, device is, uh, are, are far reaching and it's going to be felt across the length and breadth of the country. Fishermen With regards to politics, I also use the opportunity to say a very big thank you to all the people of um, Isujaman, especially my constituency um, executives and all the police station executives, grassroots people, everybody in Isujaman. I want to say a very big thank you to them. Um, what I want to say is that we, we, we desire to move Isujaman forward. We need to create lasting solutions to the problems that we face in Isujaman. I am the man for the job. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to cause change. I'm ready to partner with them ready to work together with them to make sure that Esujaman moves forward. I see. It's good you also express appreciation to the Honorable Minister of Fisheries and Agriculture. Has, it, has she been supporting you in your business? Now? Very, very, very supportive. I see. What, what kind of support has she been offering? You know, she's a, she's a master politician mm. and it tells you from the work that she's done in, in Kaswa. You know, so I take a lot of counsel from her. I take, a lot of, into her expertise. I take a lot of direction from her. I've learned so many things from her and I'll continue to learn from her. Mm. So we had Nana Abrokwa Asare, administrator of the National Premix Field Secretariat, and a politician in the making. Thank you so much, Mr. Asare, for speaking to us on Point 
Great news. Thank you to Kapamanyaba. I wish you well in your campaigns and endeavors. Well, that's how we wrap up today's edition of Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. It came to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Lupin Adabraka here in Accra. show was produced by Kobna Wilson, Beverly Landon, and Samir Afi. Second car support came in from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi. My name is Neil Latte Latte. There is more news on our website, citynewsroom.com. Irates News returns tomorrow at exactly 17.30 GMT. Have a good night. First, reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.